Welcome to Power Up Your Practice, the go-to podcast for law firm owners and managing attorneys working on the business, not in it. I'm Ruby Powers, your guide into the heart of law practice management, bringing you insights from leading legal minds, trailblazing attorneys, and expert guests who provide you with an actionable perspective on running your firm more effectively and efficiently. Prepare to open your mind, be inspired, and power up your practice to the next level. Hi, everyone. This is Ruby. I'm the ho- your host, uh, your companion through the ever-evolving landscape of law practice management. And each episode, we're going to hear our guest superpowers, their perspectives on reaching success and, and sort of like how they got there. So there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, thanks for joining us and how to master it. Uh, today, we have Raquel Gomez, and she is the founder and CEO of Staffy. And um, we've known each other for close to two years. And um, we, uh, I mean, I'm really glad to have you on here, um, Raquel, because we've done a webinar before and we just dive deep um, into supplementing beliefs and and um, we were doing affirmations like live on Zoom and everything. And um, it was, I learned a lot about you from doing that webinar and then we've we got to know each other a lot better over the time. But you are actually a uh, licensed psychologist with an MBA in international business and you're originally from south of Brazil, um, which is super cool. Um, and you're a sales, uh, you're a sales rock star and a leader of rock sales sales teams. So you have a lot to. We can all learn from that. Sales are so important. Um, and being a successful businesswoman um, and a loving wife and mother. Um, and your daughter is su- super adorable. Um, she's so cute. I've seen her at conferences and in uh, at your home and things like that. So, um, you you have you have quite an interesting story, and um, I mean we can dive as much as we want to in that. But you um, are the founder and CEO of of Staffy. Um, it's the virtual assistant um, staffing agency that I've been using for about a year and a half or so, and so I can say that from experience. But um, why don't you tell me a little bit? Tell us a little bit, like how did you get into this area because you've had such a very unique um, background. Yeah. So yeah, pleasure being here. Love being here. Thank you so much, Ruby. Um, so as you were uh, you were reading my bio, so I was born in the south of Brazil. I um, am the daughter of an entrepreneur and business owner uh, dad. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she prioritized family. Um, you know, first and, and, and her career second, I went to study psychology because I always loved helping women. And that was always uh, through my close friends and family members. And um, my mom, and, and she didn't do this in purpose, obviously, she was a very loving uh, woman and mother. Um, but she didn't believe that as a woman, you could have both things like have a happy family mm-hmm. life and personal life and be successful at the same time. And she would tell me, hey, you're a, you're a woman, you, you have to choose. And they ne- that never sat well with me. And um, reason why I went to psychology was, first of all, I wanted to learn to challenge those limiting beliefs myself, but I also wanted to help any women um, who thought that they didn't deserve or couldn't have everything because I always thought that um, I deserved to have everything I wanted in life. Uh, So I went to study psychology. Uh, I did that for a while. And then I moved, fast forward years, I moved to the U.S. um, 
And um, my dad was, like I said, he was an entrepreneur, business owner. He was a workaholic. He sacrificed. He felt that he had to sacrifice uh, all his life in the name of success. Like we barely had family vacations. I would not see my dad very often. And um, his health suffered a lot because of it. He had several heart attacks. And he was my role model from, he was the closest professional role model that I had. So I moved to the U.S., I pursued an MBA, and I started climbing the corporate uh, ladder in the um, high-tech space. And I saw myself being a lot like my dad, like really overworking. Uh, Also combined with being a woman and everything I heard from my mom, I always felt that I had to prove myself that I could be um, a woman and be very successful. So, But I always felt that I had something to prove to my supervisors, to my colleagues, um, to myself. Um, And I got to a point, um, actually, it's funny. I have a picture. My my husband took a picture of me. I was month pregnant. I was and I had four computers in front of me. And I was working all four computers. And I don't know how. And I was like, what? You have that picture? I can't believe it. I I um, became aware of him taking this picture. I think it was like three months ago. I didn't even know that this picture existed. Uh, but that um, is who I was and I can barely recognize that person right now, but I had that mindset that first of all, I had to be perfect in order to show my worth and um, that I had to do everything myself. And I, at that point, and that was right before my daughter was born. um, I can say that I had reached uh, rock bottom. Like I had lost all my passion, all passion for my career at that point. I was very successful, but I wasn't happy. Uh, and that was a breaking point. Um, I really took me to go and dig deep internally and really find, get in touch with that passion that I had from early on, which was really to help women. And um, when I created Staffy, it was to solve a problem that I had, but also to help women around the world who also struggled with being successful, but having balance in their lives and having joy in their lives. For women who would like to see their businesses growing, but didn't want to sacrifice their life in the name of success. And that's Daffy. Wow. So there's, I see a lot of similarities. My my mom, um, she didn't say you had to choose, but I have learned later a lot of people Say you can have what you want, but you can't have it at the same time. Um, and I've also, um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad was a workaholic entrepreneur. And you know, it just—it's what you see, and so you sort of like then you model that, and you know, for good and for bad, you know. <laughs> um, and and a lot of like when I decided to write my first book about law practice management was because I was really trying to like. But I was really trying to to prevent the pain points that a lot of us entrepreneurs and law firm owners have by trying to say, hey, look, this is what I figured out. Why don't you read this? And maybe you won't have to go through as much pain and you can have like balance. You know, it seems like we both got that calling. Like there was um, we were something we were trying to help others not have to reinvent the wheel and go through all that pain. Because I remember one time my dad had to go to work event and he missed my like recital or song concert or something, you know. And I think about that when with my kids and I'm thinking like, oh, I need to 
you know, I don't have that much time before they go to college and I want to have the quality time. And why did we become business owners in the first place was to have that balance or, or why? Do you? <laughs> it's like, yeah. like sometimes it can be a, this fallacy that somehow you um, have all this time. But I think it's all about how, yeah, how you define su- success and how you find that balance. But um, yes, yeah, like we both had like the same type of role models and then we're trying to crack. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And when I, uh, like back then, I realized, okay, look, I can have everything, but I cannot have everything if I'm doing everything alone. If as yeah. without delegating, you can't really have everything. You cannot have success and have joy. Time to make joy, to make space for joy in your everyday life. And it's funny because I see there's so many that decide, okay, well, I want to, have my own business to have a flexible schedule to work less but in reality is the moment you start your own business you work more than ever because you're very passionate about it because you want to see it growing and in the beginning i feel that i don't see um a lot of people who start a business already having that mindset of delegating and investing which you get to it after you get burned out right yeah. um, but if you do then you're going to be miles ahead obviously. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to that because I, I mean, the, there is a workaholic notion with entrepreneurs, but, but I, it doesn't have to be, but I think right. until you figure out how to crack the code of like how, how to make it work um, and how to delegate and find boundaries and balance, you know, that's, that's part of it. And that's why we're, we're sharing ideas. Um, we'll get to like pitfalls and best practices that you've seen with so many people that you've, you've been helping as they dele- use their delegating muscles, if you will. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, we have to, to grow and decide what we want. You know, it's easy to just, I think you get in this little rat race, like, oh, I just have to keep working. I have to keep working because you, business never stops. And you never know this event will lead to a case or this little event move to a, lead to a client. And so you don't know when to stop, but then we can turn into our parents without realizing it. So what, um, what are some of the things that you've noticed? Like, cause you help people, you connect them with, um, people who can help support them. And, and so they can, you know, move, move up the ladder of, of, of their life. And like, what are some of the pitfalls that you see that, that, um, business owners make when, when uh, in delegating or hiring or just management? Yeah. So I think, um, a big one is having unrealistic expectations of someone. Um, and it happens, it's very common. So when, when, you, when we run an initial consultation with a law firm owner or a law firm manager, we, um, it's a free consultation. We go over the four areas of work. Uh, which we divide in, as marketing, client-facing, lower-level legal work, and administrative. And we go over like all tasks that you would like to be delegated, right? And the reason why we do that is because it's very important to define what is the type of skills that that person needs in order to thrive in those specific tasks. Um, and what are the soft skills and personality uh, traits? And at Staffy, we run behavioral assessments and uh, different types of assessment, personality assessments to define what person will be the best fit for this or that specific role. Because when you're interviewing someone, when someone is looking for a job, most of the times they will say they'll do whatever. But the truth is, will they be good at that? 
specific task and will that task come come to them um with a lot of effort or that's going to be something they will thrive because they have they have a talent they have a, the personality to thrive in that specific task for example if it's someone that you want them doing client facing intake receptionist work updating clients on on cases that person needs to be very empathetic. They need to care, especially a law firm, a lawyer, you're in the business of helping people. So you need to make sure someone that truly cares, truly wants to help the clients and the clients will notice that immediately. Um, and the type of personality that thrives and shines from human interaction. So that's key. But if you're gonna put someone that has the type of personality to do um, accounting or billing or lower level legal work that requires a lot of attention to detail, that person's going to be miserable. Uh, so I think having highest expectations, we see that a lot with, when you want a superstar hire. Oh no, that person has to do this and has to do that. It has to be great with client face. It has to never make any mistakes when inputting information in the firm management system. Um, it's unrealistic. It's not going to happen. Uh, and I think uh, as a business owner, um, I bet, yeah, you're a rock star. You can do so many things so well, and that's why you own your business, and that's why you are an entrepreneur. Not everybody else is. But we do have what we call hybrids that may be uh, someone that can take on two roles. For example, okay, there is a legal assistant that loves dealing with clients as well. They're a lawyer in their home country, and they've, they've you know, they've worked for law firms, so they've even owned their own law firms, Um it, it has to show in the behavioral assessments and, and the personality traits in order to be able to do a hybrid, but there's no way someone can do all four. It doesn't exist. So I feel that us having super high expectations is a way of self-sabotaging our time, uh, pretty much like freeing up our time truly and growing our our business. It's one of so the... You, that's really good. Um, and, and about the self-limiting beliefs, like I've, we did our webinar on this topic and then I've done some more like thought about on presentations on delegation. Um, like some of them are that, you know, people think, oh, I can do this better than so-and-so. Um, it'll take me more time to uh, teach somebody something than me, than me just doing it myself, you know, um, but there's, there's, there's more to it. What are, what are some of the self-limiting beliefs that you, you see, um, or that maybe you've had, you know, that, that people have to overcome to really take delegations to the next level? I think the, the urge to control everything and oh, to yeah. everything and every, and, and be everywhere is a big one that leads to another, um, self-sabotaging mechanism in, in that uh, gets in the way of truly delegating, which is micromanaging. Um, we see that a lot, micromanaging. And I was like, oh, but what is that person doing? That person's not next to me. I don't know what they are doing. Um, that one is a big one. And I used to be a micromanager. I have to admit that here. <laughs> um, I had to overcome that because when you're micromanaging, whoever you're micromanaging, they get under so much stress too. Yeah. Um, and you know what you do? You create a behavior behavior that is the opposite that you want. You want someone to think on their own feet. When you're micromanaging someone, you that person, they got so so under so much stress that they won't do the next step unless you tell them what to do. So they 
stop thinking on their own completely. So when you're micromanaging, you're creating that exact behavior that you're, you're afraid of. Mm -hmm. um, so instead, like really setting goals that are achievable, right? And little by little, when you have a new hire, depending how long they're with you, but setting those achievable goals and do regular check-ins, but scheduled check-ins, not every second, every, you know, in the beginning, we, 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 um, we um, suggest that you meet like in the mornings or you, you have like a set uh, like goals that you want every morning, but then after it could be like weekly, uh, but having those set of goals and checking with that person to see their progress, to see if they're going in the right direction or not. Uh, that's what we suggest um, in order to, and I'm sorry, my dog is shaking. Around. I don't know if you can hear <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> A little dog, um, but that goes against um, that. That goes exactly. That, that's what we recommend. So the micromanaging would be one, and in, then in the other end of the spectrum is the aloof or distant manager who will won't check in with the person for weeks, and that person doesn't know what to do, and that person doesn't know if they're doing if they're, the direction they're going is the right direction, and they also lose motivation because of that type of behavior of someone that is um, uh, distant, a manager that is distant. Uh, in order to overcome all, all of that, so at staff, you know, you've worked with us, you have about, what, like seven assistants yeah. right now doing different roles within your law firm. We have an entire team. We're very hands-on. We provide, after we pair um, the, the person with you, um, we have a whole team from our side of the, from staffy supporting the law firm, supporting the staffy representative, making sure they're doing everything they're supposed to. And this team is to free up the law firm owner from onboarding, continuous, continuous management and um, building that person and continuous training, providing training to that representative. And that serves to help with that and to alleviate the whole management. But still, you still need to check in with our team to make sure we are doing the right thing. We are going in the right direction, right? Um, so, yeah. Well, um, so right now I'm writing my chapter on management and delegation. So for better and for worse, anybody who listens to me, I'm like really deep thinking about this. And um I, you know, I've been looking, reading a lot of the great business books and uh, first break all the rules and just, you know, great, uh, good to great. And Peter Drucker, the essential, uh, um, the effective executive, a lot of different things like that. But, you know, it's, it's, I think that nobody's truly taught management and delegation formally. Like right. even business school, when well, you have an MBA, my husband has an MBA, like, I don't, I don't know how much you no, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, because I, I pretty much watched what he was doing vicariously by by PowerPoints and, and paying for the, the MBA. But but yeah, but, <laughs> but like, you know, so I was in my chapter I was talking about like it was through my my volunteering and uh, managing volunteers, part-time people contractors, um, when I worked at Princeton Review a long time ago. Um, and I, I learned a lot of that before I even went to law school. But you know. I noticed that a lot of my, my, uh, where I failed in the beginning of having my practice was because I didn't know how to properly, um, delegate and manage. And the other thing I realized is that I think one person can only manage like so many people 
at one time. And the issue with like a law firm owner is that we're like, we're probably being the technician, like, and you know, Michael Gerber is Emeth who visited, we're being the lawyer, we're running, we're trying to manage. And then we're also trying to be running the law firm and the, and the entrepreneurial. And, and then like, how many people can we manage? Like I, I seem to get up to maybe 10 people and then things would start crumbling because I just couldn't keep up all the hats. And not until I put in like a, a, like a layer, a management layer that I've been growing and grooming and building and strengthening, um, did I was able to sort of build that higher grade. It's like, I couldn't build the second, you know, I, I needed that foundation um, uh, before I could, I could go to the next level. And so I've, I, all of this to be said that like, we have to overcome our self-limiting beliefs. We have to be introspective. We have to learn how to better delegate and if we don't, then we're going to pretty much stay the size, more of a smaller size. And if that's what you want, then that's what you want. But really, this is the key to, to growth. And um, at some point, you've got to figure out how to master it. Yeah. And when you're managing people, it's so important also to uh, make sure they're doing okay, especially you do immigration law. There's so many delicate, delicate cases, strong cases you're dealing with. Um, it's so important to make sure that they are doing well emotionally, not only, you know, due to situations at work, but situations at home. And it's hard because people are, we're all busy. We're all busy. And, and that's the reason why several years ago, um, because mental health and someone's emotional state is a priority to me. And obviously I'm a psychologist and, and, and make, it comes from that background. Um, we've implemented, we have in-house uh, mindset coaches who are in-house psychologists and we have regular check-ins with all of our representatives. And I, we've seen a huge difference after we, we've implemented that. And I know, well, you know, you're a client and, and clients benefit highly from it, but the staff love it. They love it. It's definitely a perk, a perk one of the perks of working with Staffy, uh, being able to have that highly confidential safe space where you can talk about anything that is happening in your life um, on the job and a space where you can elaborate on your emotions because I do think, and I, and I believe there is a, there is a, there is a strong, there's something going on. I think there's a strong push for mental health also within the bar, right? I've yeah. Like that. Um, yeah. Because when we're, when we don't, when I believe that having a space to talk about your emotions is as important as going to the gym. Uh, that's what I always say. And no one should be embarrassed of that because it's, it's, um, in Brazil, that's something was very common, everyone going to therapy. Um, I know that in the US, there's uh, much more of a stigma around it, but yes. it's changing. Uh, and I'm happy that it is changing. And I know there is a long way to go. Um, but yeah, so so as a manager, it's hard. You have to deal with all the things that you're dealing with as a law firm owner, like growing your business, your own emotional struggles, your own limiting beliefs, your own like strategizing for the future, trying to get time to enjoy your family and have balance. Plus, imagine going and checking in with everyone and, and seeing how everyone is doing emotionally. It's like, wow, it's a lot. So that's mm -hmm. why we've implemented things and we have several coaches 
that work with every staff representative so that you don't have to do it. So to really free up the law firm owner's time and our clients say that on average we free up about four hours a week just in the management alone. Oh, wow. Wow. In the management. Yeah. And and um, I've recommended uh, to some business owners to get an executive assistant. Like, I think maybe we could talk like a little practical in terms of like what can. So for um, a law firm owner and you don't have an executive assistant, I would say consider it. Um, the um, the help, the tremendous support that I have um, having one for I've had one for maybe five or six years. Um, it over time and currently my assistant through Safish, we've had, I've had her for more than a year and she's, she's great. I told her the other day, I was like, it's like you already anticipate what I'm going to do and you already do it. And I don't even have to talk to you about it. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> she's like, thank you. I was like, <laughs> um, but yeah. So, I mean, everything from, uh, scheduling appointments, doing travel, preparing the draft of uh, presentations during like draft of like articles um, to uh, responding back to emails, monitoring for like pressing like media inquiries or something crazy in the email. Um, but, 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 it, you know, so much, so much, because a lot of people are like, how do you do everything you do? They first go to like, you must not sleep. And I'm like, you know, yes, my sleep is questionable, but I think, <laughs> I think it's because I have a really good team and we've worked together over time. And I told my leadership team recently, I was like, you know, if for any reason my executive assistant wasn't there to help me, like, this would not look good. This would not be a good situation for any of you. <laughs> like, you know, like we, we would have to, like, <laughs> because what you guys don't know is like, that's how I, I keep myself together. And, um, but, but anyway, so that being said, how did I get there? Like I had to get over control because I, I hear this a lot with the law firm owners. I can't let somebody else check my email. Right. It's not like appropriate things. It's like, they're afraid that they're going to click send to the wrong person or delete the wrong thing. And yes, there's some learning curve, but you can put some gutter rails on that. And, um, and you can also start with like more simple tasks, build up confidence and, and trust, and then, and then go beyond. That's why I'm saying like right now at this over a year mark, it's like, it's amazing. Um, but like, honestly, that's freed me up and, and to do a whole bunch of other things. And so, um, I basically, when I talk to business owners, I was like, if you don't have an executive assistant and you're trying to start run, do everything as a lawyer, as a law firm owner, like that's probably one of the first places I would go first, um, to supporting yourself. And I don't know if you have stats on how much time you save a law firm owner by having an executive assistant, but I'm sure it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we have several, uh, clients testimonials that, um, so I'm thinking of one now that after hiring an executive assistant that um, she said at least three to four hours a day back to me, that's without uh -huh. management support that I was mentioning. So that on average is about four additional hours per week. Um, so yeah, that's huge, you know? And then there is another, the, the talking about limiting beliefs and behaviors that um, impede us from truly delegating and growing. Um, there's the one that is thinking that you always do better. What do you think of oh, that? Yeah. Well, I know that's wrong. And the other thing is like, you can't do everything well all at the same time. Like maybe you, you in theory were good at this, 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 and this, but like, 
the thing is, as your firm grows, you've got it. Actually, that's another chapter I was working on recently. You have to shed functions, hats, roles, whatever you want to call it. And you've got to quit doing that. Maybe you're just monitoring from a high level. But like, honestly, I don't even know how to mail anything in my office. I know how to put a stamp on it. That's, that's, that's the win. But I don't know how to do the FedEx or the other labels. Um, because I haven't done it for many, many years. So we might be in danger if, if I'm the only one and I have to do it on like a rush case, but, but anyway, but, um, you know, from there's just, you got to well, and at this point where I'm in the firm, I see myself really doing high level business development, high level business management, um, and then like consults and, and legal strategy. That's really where I, where I'm at. Um, and then when I have somebody's on vacation or something, maternity leave or something like that, if they're in one of those leadership roles, then I, I have to step in. But for the most part, that freeing up um, to have that like free space to do, to work on the business, not in it. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the motto um, from Michael Gerber. Uh, you know, that's, I just believe in that because you really should be working ourselves out of a job. Like going back to what we were saying um, at the very beginning, like a lot of entrepreneurs are just working countless hours. Um, that's not really the ideal situation. That's not really why we got into this. Um, but it's, it's really, if we can't figure out how to manage and put pe- the right people in the right seats, right. Monitor, that that's what happens when we don't have that equilibrium and it takes time. Cause like I said, it's not like we're born with a God-given gift on how to manage and delegate. I feel like that's just a a muscle. You keep learning from the hard knocks of making mistakes. And sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we'll, we help our clients too, in in how to um, become better managers. We have the client success team that are in regular touches in regular contact with our clients and, uh, our VP of client success, he happens to be a, a business coach. We don't do that as part of Staffy, but that background really helps uh, make sure that if, if someone is open and wanting that help to become a better uh, leader, better manager, we can also help them guide that through that. And that's included in the subscription. Uh, the one thing I would say um, for someone who is probably new at delegating or maybe not so new, but I always like to reevaluate which are the things that I do as a business owner that are of high impact for my business, which are them, right? Because there's a lot of things that I might be doing that they're not of high impact and list them in which ones um, depend solely on me. Which Mm -hmm. one depends on me? Because there's a lot of these things that could be delegated. Let me give you an example. I, um, Staffy, we are, we have, we are on, the only three of us are in the U.S. I always like to say we drink our own coli. Everyone else is in Latin America and we're about 200 people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been the person doing networking. I'm, I'm in Miami, Florida. We are mm-hmm. in Miami. So I have been the only person still to this day doing in person, like going to groups of CEOs or groups of entrepreneurs here locally. And I love and enjoy, but that also takes time for me for doing other things, new projects that I want to embark on. And I just recently hired someone to take on that role in Miami. And I, I'll still go to a few. I'll still be, I like to be in touch with other 
um, business owners, especially women business owners. I like to, you know, I like to have those contacts and we use many of those professionals uh, internally and we use a lot of their services as well. So it's to also my, my benefit. Um, but that's something that I recently hired someone who's, uh, this person will be starting um, this month. Um, and yes, it's of high impact. It is of high impact. I love doing it. I'm a natural and networking. I really love networking. Uh, but might not be the best use of my time right now because how valuable my time is and what are other things and other projects that I, would, I could be taking on if I freed up all of that time and all of the energy that it takes to get ready to go to an event and it just like consumes almost your entire day or at least half of your day. Um, so it's always good to reevaluate. Um, you know, what are the things that, and, and I like, there is a quadrant that you go low impact, low effort, low impact. Then it goes, the other quadrant is low effort, high impact, which is a great quadrant. Um, mm -hmm. is a high effort, high impact, uh, and high effort, low impact, and then start, sit down, start writing everything you do. And then the next step would be like circulate the ones that only need you, but question why is it that it only needs you That's true. right yeah no I, I agree I think really like depending on where you are in this journey of delegating um, like maybe you're asking yourself where do I start or where do I reevaluate I would say do a time and energy audit and may, maybe keep track I would keep track from waking up till going to sleep 15 minute increments what is it that you do and then you could put a dollar amount by it saying like how valuable or who could you know does it how, you know, what, what's the return on investment on this? And then I would also put, um, is this something that you could eliminate, um, automate or delegate? And if you could delegate it, who would you delegate it to? But if that's a little overwhelming, just start with the auditing of time and energy. And, and you're right. What you said about like, oh, well, what's the things that only I can do, but you're right. I'm sure there's a lot of that stuff that someone else could do. You just haven't trained them or you didn't feel that yeah. trust or you haven't, you know, handed it off. And, you know, with me, uh, I had a, my daughter had a, a really crazy health scare last fall. And then now with me writing my book, like when you don't have time, like really don't have time, like you, you, you take this to a whole nother level. You're like, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to eliminate, I'm going to delegate. I'm going to like, you know, you, you, you know, I'm going to teach you how to do this because you can do this too. And, and not be just on me. Because the other thing is I want to not be the bottleneck. Like if I'm the only one in the firm who knows how to do whatever it is, like right. that's a little dangerous, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm just running a, like a law school or college, like all the time. I'm just training, 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 <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and, and, and teaching and, and you're doing that too with, with staffy and um, all the training for, for everyone and improvement. And I think that's another way we should look at our, our businesses because you know, if they're rock stars, they're going to want to move up the, the ladder and, and you want to give them the the um, knowledge and skills or opportunity to, to move up. And yeah, so I think if you're if you're listening and you you don't have any assistance or staff at all, I'd say first make everybody should write an audit um, and then you should see what it is that you spend your time on and then figure out um, what would be the ideal role to be your first role. And probably you're really starting off in like super starting off, it's probably going to be like a admin receptionist type of situation. And then um, if you've got a handful of staff, you know, at some point, I think an executive assistant or part executive assistant, part something else, 
will, will be helpful. Um, but those are some of the things that have really helped me. And, you know, what I, one thing I needed to mention about Staffy is that I think a lot of people think virtual assistants have to be receptionists and that's it. Like, or they can just like, I don't know, schedule travel or answer the phone, but, um, imagine any role I have, I have my, my virtual assistants in every role, pretty much, um, from legal assistants or, um, paralegals, whatever you want to call it to marketing, to executive assistant, to reception, and um, to even helping project manage um, another business of mine. So, you know, they're, they can do anything that you have the right fit and you train them to do. And, um, and that's, that's just like really mind, mind boggling if you think about it, because you could really build um, a strong team. And a lot of, I think lawyers are also looking to having remote and virtual um, practices. And so this allows you to like save costs on, office space and um, desk and <laughs> everything else that comes along with physically having to have an office for, for people and team members. Yeah. Well, um, those are just, those are like, I think those are really good points that you made and what other, um, any final thoughts of, in terms of best practices um, in delegating um, that, cause you, you've seen, you've seen so much um, or like, uh, pitfalls, any last thoughts about what lawyers should be doing or um, some best practice? Yeah, I think that um, it's very important to always think how valuable your time is mm-hmm. and how you're spending it because sometimes, okay, like let's say you're a lawyer and you're answering the phones. You could have someone for like, I don't know, $15, $16 an hour that has the right background, has the right personality to be doing that. And your time, I don't know, depends how much you bill per hour, right? If you're worth, I mean, the low end, a lower end, $200 an hour, it could be $400 an hour. There's some lawyers charging $700 an hour, $1,000 an hour. Um, but think about what, what are you really good at and how are you spending your time and how valuable your time is? Because there could be, I think it's really good to do, uh, be honest with ourselves and what are the things we're not so good at? or that don't come as easy to us. Um, you know, I could like, I, I don't like doing operations at all. I don't like doing operations, but I'm very good at client facing. But then again, is it the best use of your time, right? And I, I like to use that for both the business and personal. How valuable is to pick up my daughter at school and to not be on my phone, to be there with her. How valuable mm-hmm. is to uh, play with her in the afternoon? There's no price. So I think it's always, it's very good to always be thinking about how valuable that is for you um, and how much it would be to hire someone else to do something that they could potentially do it better than us because we're not good at everything. Uh, that would be very egoistic to think um, none of us is great on everything, right? I, I completely agree. Um, there's a book, I, an author I, lear- I recently learned about, I think this goes hand in hand with your line of business, um, Dan Martell, um, buy back your time, get unstuck, reclaim your freedom and build your empire. Um, but he talks about a buyback rate and he calculates if you take your salary, you divide it by 2000 or 2080, whatever. Um, and then he says, take that number and then divide it by four. And he says, that's your buyback rate. He's like, if somebody um, can do what you're doing at that rate, then just hire them to do that. And, um, and I think you could even, you know, move that around a little bit if they can do something closer to your buyback rate and you don't really enjoy whatever 
or, you know, at your actual hourly rate. And you don't really enjoy doing that thing. Because the, the other thing with a lot of my deep dive in all these books is they talk about, um, even Peter Drucker talks about this too, like work on your, your strengths. Um, don't focus too much on your weaknesses. And I think this also goes hand in hand with like shedding the different functions um, and uh, roles and uh, in your practice, as you move up the ladder in your firm, you've got to be realistic with yourself. What are you good at? And what are you not good at? And um, lean in on your strengths and hire to fill in where your weaknesses are. And so that's why all of this, this self-reflection, imagine you're identifying those self-limiting beliefs and then, you know, like you re reprogram yourself with affirmations and, and, and other ways to find ways to sort of break those self-limiting beliefs and don't let them be your, your subconscious operating, uh, you know, system on, on how you, how you run your life. Um, it's, it's all connected. So this is not just as simple as like, and everything is great. Oh no, you really have to do yourself. You need to be a good communication. You need to be good at um, just identifying your, um, all these different aspects we talked about. So um, it wouldn't be an episode without me asking, uh, what's your superpower? And um, as you define it, um, and how did you get it? <laughs> or where did it come from? I would say my superpower right now is really constantly thinking of more things I could be delegating. And if I think, oh, that I couldn't, I talk to other people. I try to really challenge. Could I? Why am I thinking I couldn't? What limiting belief? What it, what um, uh, self? It's sabotaging. Am I using that word correctly yeah. now? Yeah. What? What? How am I sabotaging myself? Because I feel like in life there's different um, different um, ranks of growth, and you always have things you might be doing that are sabotaging your growth. Um, so I think it's always thinking of new things. Like I just mentioned, I just hired this person to do this, um, to do the networking and business development locally. And how did I get it? I got it because I was in a lot of pain because I, I was doing well, but I was miserable. I was miserable and I wanted to do well. I wanted to be successful and I want to have joy in my life. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to not be worry, not being worried every second of my day. You know, I worried a lot. Um, and sometimes I have to talk to myself and have to. Sometimes I'm like, I see myself over worrying. I'm like, no, no, let's not. You know, let's not. Why worry about things we have no control over? Um, and yeah, I, I had a very. Um, I don't know how much long, how much time we have, but I feel like sometimes you said you have you had a scare with your daughter. Me too. Mm -hmm. I had a scare with my daughter in April, and that also caused many changes in my life, many, many changes. Um, but obviously, I started, the superpower started when I hit rock bottom and I was pregnant. <laughs> but it, I, I keep growing, and I feel that there's always new things and more things you can delegate and more things, new projects you can embark on and continues, continue growing throughout life. No, I, I completely agree. A lot of those events that sort of make you put things in perspective. And and I think about like how I want to build a life where my daughter can say, let's go for a bike ride and let's go do that. And and have that quality time, like you said, without the phone on. I'm guilty of that a lot. Um, 
but but then um, you you do have to take what you liked from what you saw growing up and then make a new life that you want to have to pass on to your children. And and we all know life is short and we're just trying to make the most of it and, um, you know, achieve that level of success or work-life balance or whatever it is that however we define that for ourselves. Well, Raquel, it is a pleasure. Um, how does one find you if they want to connect with you? Um, what's the best way? Um, you can go to www.getstaffy.com. I believe, will this be? Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to send that out. But uh, that's getstaffy, G-E-T-S-T-A-F-I.com. And contact us and we'll be there. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, that's that's all, folks. Uh, we had Raquel Gomez with the founder and CEO of Staffy. And we talked a lot about delegations, self-limiting beliefs, and um, how to sort of overcome those things that hold us back with with um, delegating and, and how we can work towards achieving the life that we want to have. Um, so thanks so much for joining us on this inf- insightful journey today. Your time engagement means the world to us. And if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, make sure to subscribe and we can continue the conversation by connecting on Power Up Your Practice Facebook group. Uh, so keep on powering up. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Power Up Your Practice Law Practice Management Podcast. I'm your host, Ruby Powers, and it's been a pleasure sharing this time with you. Join us next week for another episode where we'll continue to explore insightful strategies for success. Power Up Your Practice with us. See you next time.